What's going on, folks? Uh, Shurjan here, another episode of My Personal Mentor. Today, we're talking about which industries to avoid, especially during a recession, uh, because a lot of industries will change. A lot of companies, which uh, you know felt like good, you know, good bets before, are probably not going to be great bets. So, in this episode, I'm going to discuss a few of those industries and maybe a few names of companies uh, that you can avoid um, and help you, uh, you know, pick the right companies as you get into your next career. All right. So, you know, given the virus and given the situation with the economy, obviously a lot of a lot of layoffs are going to happen. But this whole thing starts actually from the bottom up. So it doesn't start from like the big businesses that you can you know think of from Goldman Sachs of the world to McKinsey's of the world. It actually starts on your local streets and around your hometown. So what does that mean? Think about it this way. You know, if you are a you know, if you're someone who's living in a city you know, you go out, you go to restaurants, you go to bars, you go to things like that. So let's say you go to your local McDonald's and usually, now maybe McDonald's is a big, uh, you know, example. Let's start with a smaller mom and pop restaurant. So this restaurant, let's say sells some sort of food. Let's say it's an Indian restaurant. And if you don't, if you stop going there, given the virus situation, what's going to happen is over time, that person who works there, the waiter, he or she is not going to be getting her salary or tips because you're not going to the restaurant. The restaurant is not making any money. And the longer you don't go there, what happens is having that waiter on, on um, you know, payroll becomes harder and harder for the restaurant manager. So then the restaurant manager, what they do is they will obviously lay off that person. When they lay off that person, again, the problem isn't fixed because you're still not going to that restaurant. So fast forward a couple more weeks, now the restaurant can't even remain open because remember, these businesses have very limited cash cycles. Right, what cash cycle means is they just don't have enough cash in the bank to sustain such a long duration of zero revenue coming in. So then what happens is that business, that re- that one storefront shuts down. So a bunch of people get laid off, the manager gets laid off, the cook, the chef, the head chef, everybody gets laid off. Not only that, the entrepreneur or the business owner who owns that restaurant also starts feeling the pressure. Now, no more income is coming from this one property that he or she used to own. When that happens, they start you know, getting to a situation where they can't pay the rent for that property. When you stop paying the rent for that property or the mortgage or whatever it is, the lease, you start defaulting on those things. When you start defaulting on those things, remember, these are leases that are, you know, built in relationship with small banks, smaller banks that are in that local community. What happens then is that person, that, you know, that bank figures out that, hey, there's like hundreds of these businesses in my neighborhood that are defaulting on a loan that I had provided to them. Now, when that happens, that basically trickles further up. Smaller banks start defaulting, larger banks default. So when you keep on you know, running this uh, story all the way, basically everybody gets affected when you stop the flow of cash from pocket A to pocket B. Now, in a situation which is also a health risk that we're facing, the first businesses that are going to feel the impact are businesses that are face-to-face businesses. So those are businesses that are related to hospitality. So this includes hotels. This can include Airbnb. I would consider that a hospitality business. This can include spas, um, hair hair salons, hairdressers, barbers, uh, nail salons, any of those places, makeup parlors, whatever it is, right? Anything that is related to hospitality uh, is going to be impacted by this because people are not going to interact with other people and all those jobs are going to be the first ones to go away. And remember, like these are jobs where people are going to, you know, as people are traveling less, less hotels are needed. If people need spa dates or whatever like that, people are not going to go into a place which has more people hanging around. They're going to stay at home. 
So I would avoid hospitality businesses. You know, I wouldn't look for a job there. That's not where you would want to be. Next level uh, of losses will be on the in the food and beverage industry. So FNB, obviously, like bars and uh, you know clubs and lounges are definitely going to feel a, a a big hit because people are going to be socializing less because you know we're supposed to keep distance. But also restaurants. Now, restaurants may take a lesser hit, but they're still going to be hit massively. Now, the reason why I say lesser hit because a lot of restaurants can convert legally to do delivery. So if you have some skills in cooking or, you know, you have skills in delivery or logistics, maybe you can look for opportunities there. But I would, again, avoid the food and beverage business. A lot of my friends who own restaurants have lost their restaurant businesses in the last week or so. Um, and these businesses usually under 15 days of cash flow that they have at hand. So this is a very tough time for businesses in the food and beverage world. Um, and you will see, unfortunately, a lot of those businesses close down because there's no other way. Then the next industry where I think you should avoid is the industry of transportation. So, you know, starting from, you know, Ubers of the world, Lyfts of the world, they're all going to get impacted all the way to airlines, massive airlines. You wouldn't want to work there. Even like local transportation businesses like Subway, you know, transits, uh, you know, trains, they're all going to get affected. People are going to travel less, at least in the near term. Now, obviously, you know, once we get through this health crisis, those things will pick up again. But before that, not so much. So if I were you and you're related to some sort of transportation sector, airlines, shipping, trains, you know, all of that stuff, I would avoid that uh, because those businesses are going to see a massive, massive hit. Next up is retail. Now, retail is one of the, uh, you know, lifelines of the American economy or the global economy. Anytime you walk out of your home and you go into a mall or a shopping mall or any of those things, you will see hundreds of thousands of stores. Now, remember, again, as people are not going to these places, these businesses will not be able to pay their employees. They won't be able to earn revenue. When they can't earn revenue, they have to close and can't pay the rent for that mall or that location. So a lot of those businesses will, will actually die and vanish. On top of that, I think there's going to be a trend where, you know, as we come through this recession and through this crisis and come out the other end, people's mindsets will change, especially on the luxury goods and nice to have goods. I think people will realize once they go through this tough time that having, you know, must have things is more important than nice to have. So if you have 10 pairs of jeans and, you know, they're, they're not that much different, you may like actually downsize to a more minimalistic and simplistic life. Same thing with t-shirts and what you wear and shoes. Um, you know, I think the last, you know, five to 10 years, we've kind of spoiled ourselves uh, with the whole concept of excess you know, living lavishly, you know, doing the most, you know, any new cool brand we would buy. I think all that stuff is going to go away, at least in the near term. Um, and those businesses with that will also uh, vanish because they're not sustainable if there's no revenue coming in at all. Related to that industry retail, I want to talk about direct to consumer. So direct to consumer are businesses that you uh, hear about a lot on Instagram, right? Let's say you take Instagram, you scroll through your um, feed, You'll see cool and fun ads of businesses like Casper, uh, you know, Allbirds and, you know, Judy and like all these like new and up in new brands like Hims and Brooklinen. So there's literally like hundreds, not hundreds, but probably actually like 100, 150 of them that come out every year. A lot of these businesses are not going to survive. Now, the reason they're not going to survive and I have a much deeper thesis on this, which we can go through another day. The reason they're not going to survive is they're built purely on a lipstick on a pig concept. So their products are great, nothing wrong with their products, but their whole fundamentals are built around the fact that, hey, look, we got something cool and you know it costs us $1 to produce this thing. We sell it for $2. 
right? But then it costs us like $3 to market it. So anything that we are producing, we're not making a single dollar on it. And because of that, by default, even in a good environment, they are unprofitable. And you might be like, oh, but if they're unprofitable, how are they even surviving? Well, you know, we've, we've gone through a great economic time in the past five years. A lot of VC money has flown into these businesses with the hope that one day these businesses will get to a scale where they can actually afford to provide that same product for much, you know, much more money or better economics or, you know, produce it for a, lot, a cheaper price or acquire customers at a cheaper rate. But that's not the truth. So these businesses that look great on Instagram and they have fun, you know, millennial colors and lowercase font and, you know, they're selling something that is not a must have, but it's a nice to have because it just looks cool and people are smiling in their ads while using it. I would highly, highly, highly recommend avoiding those businesses. Those businesses will unfortunately not survive because they're not built even for a good economy. So in a bad economy, in a recession, they will be the first ones to not survive because they will run out of cash very, very quickly. And VCs and investors are not going to give them any new cash. So go through your Instagram feed. Any business that you see that's there uh, is probably not going to survive if the ads have been coming up for the last like you know month or two that you've been seeing. There are some of them that will survive that have great economics, but most wouldn't. So if you do um, you know, get an option to work there or look at some, one of those, be very, very careful. Make sure you discuss it in detail with that business that, hey, you know, how are your fundamentals? How are your genetic economics before you take a job in those in that industry? Next is, and also related to this DTC space or retail space, is any business that has a complex supply chain. So remember, like the you know the virus that started and then impacted Chinese supply chains. A lot of product is built in China. A lot of factories are in China. Um, you know that is going to be hard for those businesses to get back and going, get back and uh, you know get going. The reason is, remember, like even if you're buying, let's just say a backpack. Right? A backpack is not built by one factory. Yeah, it may be assembled by one factory, but that same factory is responsible for acquiring materials that are required to make that backpack from like, you know, 20 other factories. They may need the canvas, the fabric, the zipper, the rubber that goes underneath the bag, you know, the little cardboard that makes the bag stiffer, the foam that goes in the shoulder pad. So, you know, supply chain is such a complex thing. Any business that has a very complex, you know, supply chain that relies on multiple suppliers, multiple factories is probably not going to survive in the short term. Yes, they will in the long term or in the medium term. But in the next six months, you know, ones with super, super complex supply chains that are very early businesses are not going to make it. So if you are, you know, looking for opportunities in those sectors, I would be careful and just make sure their supply chain isn't complex. Finally, I think one of the biggest businesses that gets hit is the real estate sector uh, because they're just not designed to take such a massive hit. Uh, you know, think about businesses like WeWork, for example. You know, WeWork is all based on times being good or great, not when times are bad. When times are bad, the first thing businesses do or startups do is they cut their, you know, fancy offices because people can work from home or people can work from coffee shops or wherever, from a park. They don't care. They're not going to pay $1,000 per employee so they can have free coffee at a fancy, you know, WeWork in the middle of New York City. So WeWork type businesses are who have massively long leases uh, are not going to survive. So I would be very careful going to businesses like that uh, who are going to face massive rent uh, leases that are going to come up and they're not going to be able to pay them. So I would, I would be careful. Similarly, another budget item that gets cut from companies as soon as, uh, you know, recession hits or economy turns the other way 
is marketing. Because remember, marketing, the whole point of marketing and sales even sometimes is to get new customers. But if you can't even get new customers because customers don't have money because they don't have jobs, right? There, then there's no point spending money on marketing and buying ads on Instagram or buying billboards or getting a sales team to go sell to enterprise or even consumer. It just doesn't make sense. So any roles related to marketing and sales, really, really dig deeper and see, hey, is this business fundamentally sound? What are we marketing? Who are we marketing to? Can it survive a downturn? So I would really be careful. One example is, for example, uh, Marriott. Marriott basically fully uh, shut down their marketing operation. Uh, at the moment, because they're going through a massive, massive, uh, you know, down quarter. Similarly, I heard Uber is also doing the same thing. So Uber's marketing division is going to be on pause. So they're not going to be spending money on marketing. And marketing in the in the modern world is a massive, massive budget uh, line item for a lot of these companies. And when they pause those things, that also means you know there's not going to be new jobs being created there. Most likely, will be uh, layoffs coming in. And just so people know, you know, sometimes these layoffs are uh, you know, labeled as RIFs, R-I-F, R-I-F, reduction in force. That's just a BS term that, um, you know, these businesses use to not say layoffs, but it is layoffs. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, uh, you know, impressed by these lingos or these, uh, you know, little acronyms. All it means is layoffs are coming. But in summary, I think like, you know, if you look at any industry, the best way to categorize is, is it a nice to have product or industry or service, or is it a must have? You know, if it's a nice to have, very, very high chance those businesses are not going to survive or going to go through some really, really tough time and are not going to be hiring. But if it's a must have, you know, essential to human life and our day to day life and living, those will survive and will come through the other end. So if you have a choice, choose the must have industry, a must have service, a must have product over a nice to have industry, nice to have service, nice to have product. All right, team. Up next is a letter from one of my fans. So as you all know, I love reading these letters. This is, uh, you know, this is what keeps me going. Uh, these are students and mentees and friends who are just like me, in my opinion, and I just love to give back to them uh, and just, you know, say thanks uh, for attending one of my webinars or event or, uh, you know, just connecting with me. So today's letter comes from Kareem uh, from Toronto, and Kareem actually typed this letter, um, and he says, "Hi, Sure John." Your story is the best example that success in life comes when a person simply refuses to give up. With goals so strong and dreams too big that obstacles, failure, and loss only act as motivation. My story is very similar to yours. I immigrated to Canada from Egypt when I was 16. Had a very high average in school. Then I was forced by my parents to follow their footsteps and study science in Toronto, which I hated with a passion. I sucked at it. Not only my GPA, but also my life went from bad to worse until I decided to do what I actually enjoy the most, business. I didn't have the minimum GPA nor the courses needed to transfer to any business school. But just like you, I fought with administration, dean, and the president of my university to get a spot in the School of Accounting, which is a very advanced and competitive program to get in and survive in, but also the golden ticket if you want to compete against a big school. Just like you, I dominated the aspects of the program from GPA, leadership, networking, 
your story shows that nothing beats hard work. And after listening to you, I promised myself to work even harder so I can accomplish my goals and be in a position of inspiring others, just like how you inspired me and my friends today. The most valuable lesson I learned from you today that I shouldn't wait for the perfect time. I have to create the perfect time. Sometimes I'll have to grab whatever opportunity is in front of me and turn it into gold. I believe that one good mentor could be more informative than a college education and more valuable than decades of income. So I'd be very lucky to have you as my mentor. You have mentioned that it's been a while that you actually picked someone from, from my school. I would love to change that. Good things happen to good people. And I think that's one of the many reasons you are successful. So thank you for helping the student body today and all of my friends. And today I became a leader of tomorrow. Kareem. Thanks Kareem, man. I appreciate it. This is one of the, one of the best letters I've ever received. Uh, it means a lot, uh, touches my heart and, and keeps me going. Um, you know, it's been a while since, uh, you know, I've, I've met you, uh, but I have this letter with me and I'm going to reach out to you. You didn't leave me your email, unfortunately, but don't worry, I'll find you and, and I'll connect with you. And even though, uh, when you sent me this letter, I didn't have the opportunity to connect, you know, connect then, but I will connect this time. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're safe. Again, thank you very, very, very much from the bottom of my heart.